You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Well, hey, everybody, uh, coming to you live, but remotely for self-preservation purposes from Podcast Detroit North, Northville Studio via Zoom. It's time for Behind the Bar, produced by Zim's Vodkin Podcast Detroit. Today's Wednesday, April 8th, 2020, and this is episode number three. I'm one of your hosts, Bruce Carroll. I'm with Terry Olson. Say hi, T.O. Peace, everybody. And uh, our special guest today, Meltdown, straight from the WRIF studios. Yeah, I just got home, and my wife had to cook some dinner real fast, so I can come down here and talk to you guys. So, Well, cool. Well, you know, it's the eighth day of isolation for me. I don't know about you guys, but man, my house, it's like being in Vegas. I'm losing money by the minute. Cocktails are acceptable at virtually any hour, and nobody knows what time it is. <laughs> Love it, Tim. Um, so in any event, um, I really want to say hi to all the people that saw our social media post uh, and have joined us to, on Facebook to watch and listen to the podcast. As you know, at least I hope you know, we put up a new Zim's Vodka cocktail we call the Quarantini which uh, I'm enjoying one right here. If you see the basil and the lemon in there, it's the eighth day of isolation. To watch and listen to the um, but uh, yeah, good stuff. So um, uh, we're, we're going to uh, talk to uh, Riffin uh, to uh, Meltdown on WRAF. He's the radio show host from uh, 3 to 7 p.m. In fact, I was thinking about you earlier, Meltdown, because uh, you played a song by ACDC called Have a Drink on Me. So That's right. Well, we hope you're enjoying a cocktail. Um, I want to do a little thing. Um, it's for all intents and purposes. As you know, we're in the hospitality restaurant business. These are the people that serve up Zim's vodka for us. And um, frankly, because of this COVID-19 pandemic and an executive order by our governor, all restaurants and bars have been ordered to close. So we know that the people in the restaurant business are very resourceful, so a lot of them are now providing contactless delivery and carryout service, and this is keeping every one of our clients extremely busy as they, they frankly, try to stay in business. So we'd like, uh, we'd like to give them a little shout out. I'm suggesting if you're seeking a respite from the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or the pizza that you're eating because you're stuck at home. Uh, many are able and willing to serve you. So to help and support your favorite restaurant or venue, you know, check them out online, see if they're providing contactless delivery or carry out um, or, or delivery. Uh, we encourage you to check out um, bestofdetroitnow.com where you'll find a lot of great restaurants offering up a lot of their savory and tasty dishes. So more than ever, I think the, uh, the owners, the chefs, the cooks, the servers, the bartenders, they really, really need uh, our support. So um, since all the restaurants and bars are closed and they're too busy for a podcast, we've contacted a friend of Zim's Vodka and asked if he'd like to be a special guest. And uh, after I bribed him a ton, he graciously accepted. Uh, so I'm still waiting for my bottles to arrive at my house. Where are they? How come they're not here? <laughs> <laughs> introduce to you someone you probably are are already familiar with as you listen to him every day between three and seven on 101.1 on your fm dial he's the guy whose tagline is raised in buffalo made in detroit three decades of non-award winning radio welcome meltdown thank you we're supposed to a cheer now i don't know what happens now yeah well i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a cheer 
There you go. Oh, I want to. So, you know, Terry and I had a call the other day, and we're really curious about a lot of things revolving around you, WRIF, uh, your love of music, uh, love of hockey, and more. So, you know, Terry, why don't you, um, you know, start by asking uh, Meltdown some questions? You know what, Kenny, thanks for uh, yeah, doing that, because I want to get this, uh, the only time I wear this thing is if I'm going out, right? So we're, <laughs> we're more than six feet away, so this thing's coming down. But Meltdown, hey, th- thanks for being with us here today. Um, lo- love your background, love your story, and uh, we just want to talk about some things. Uh, hockey, I want to talk about Buffalo, we're going to talk about nicknames. Um, I, I know Meltdown, you've heard a million times where the name come from. You know, I can only imagine the story. Um, and I could tell you, you know, being a Canadian kid growing up, I probably had two or three nicknames. And, and probably my favorite one was the Turk. You know why it was the Turk meltdown? You're yeah. right. Who do you think my favorite player was? The Turk. The Turk. Uh, man, I don't know. Do you know, Bruce? I'm thinking of Turkot. No, no, no. The Turk wore number 16. I'll give you guys a little clue. Turk. Yeah, the Turk. He probably he probably carved a lot of eyes out. Hey, listen, I, I just aged I just aged out myself here, boys, but you guys you ever heard of Derek Sanderson? Oh yeah, sure. The Turk. Loved that guy. Loved him. You know what? My father was a big Montreal Canadiens fan. I couldn't stand Montreal. I love Boston. And I love number 16, the Turk. He was just, he had it all going on. So, uh, I was well, called. Buffalo, so Gilbert Perot is my guy. So, I wore number 11 my whole career. So Okay, yeah. So, so there you go. Too. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. So, so we all know where they, where nicknames come from. It's really where they end up. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, today I get called a lot of things. I get called the vodka guy. You get called the radio guy. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 tell us a little bit, Meltdown. So, you grew up in Buffalo. Um, I have to ask, did you know Kaner? I did not, because I, I moved out of Buffalo about 25 years ago. Okay. All right. He, he was a little bit young. But if you look behind me, I got this jersey. Look at this. See? Number 14, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Because when I, played, when I played for the Motor City Mechanics, I wanted 11, and some kid already had that number. And so I said, well, I'm going to go down the French Connection line. And so I went to seven, and they said, well, some guy named Chelios has that. <laughs> okay, well, I'll go to 14 then, Rene Robert. So that's how come I wore 14 for that game. So. I, I love it. The French Connection, that was a great, uh, was a great line. Yeah. Love watching those guys. So, so what, what brought you to Detroit, Meltdown? Well, in, uh, in June of 1995, I lost my job, and I had to go somewhere. And I, I uh, sent out all sorts of tapes and resumes and, and whatnot, and I spent the whole summer uh, – Riding my Harley Davidson, uh, drinking uh, beer, playing softball, and then uh, I had a couple job offers. And nothing really floated my boat. And then I got a call in mid October, and um, they said, "Hey, I would like to come to Detroit." And I'm like, "You know, I'm not doing anything right now." And I'm a big three guy. I love the big three, and I think that'd be really cool. Because if you look at it, people ask me all the time, like when I'm back home in Buffalo, they're like, "What's Detroit like?" I'm like, "Detroit is just like Buffalo, but just twice the size. It's right. working class. It's..." Um, it's gritty, it's grimy, uh, and 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 the people there really appreciate a good effort. And so I think that's, uh, you know, that I've I've been here for almost twenty five years now, and it's uh, you know, it's really become my home. Obviously, I'm in my home. I got a couple kids, got a house now. And when I first moved here, I didn't know if I was going to last, you know, six months, let alone almost twenty five years. So. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so you're in the radio business. Yeah. You know, every everybody thinks. 
you know, like Bruce and I, they think we're in a cool business, right? We yeah. sell, we sell vodka, right? Um, guys playing in the NHL. Everybody thinks NHL guys, they're all cool guys. A lot of guys making the league minimum, all right, and, and struggling. Uh, you're on radio. Everybody hears you every day. Everybody thinks that's cool. T- t- tell, tell us about it. Why did you get into it? You know, what, what were your thoughts? And, and if you had to do it all over again, would you jump in the same industry? Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. It's like, so when I was a kid growing up, I always wanted to do something that, um, I don't know, that would make me, you know, I always thought that I was going to be working a 40-hour job in a thousand square foot house, just like the one I grew up in, you know? And then one day I was, uh, I was actually, I used to, my senior year of high school, I used to clean the bar I worked at uh, before I went to school on Monday and Tuesday morning. So I'd wake up at two or three in the morning. I would go clean the bar and then go to school. And one night I was working and I was literally thinking to myself, what am I going to do in my life? Cause I was taking auto body and doing all this stuff. And I heard this guy in the radio and he was awful. And at that moment I said, that's what I'm going to do <laughs> just because of that guy. His name was John Allen. And that's probably not his real name. And they, 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 they put him on in the air in the overnights. He was so bad. His father owned the radio station, but he was so bad. They put him on in the overnights. So at that moment, I said, that's what I'm going to do. And I started making connections with local radio guys and different things like that. And uh, one thing led to another. And um, you guys will probably appreciate this, but because of my hockey background, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm accountable. I'm responsible. I'm, you know, it's, it's like, it's my job to do this and I got to push and push and push. And I finally uh, got in, uh, you know, somebody uh, opened the door for me and I, I walked through and uh, I wasn't going to let anybody take it away from me. So I worked in Buffalo for six years before I came here. Love it. Fantastic. Um, and obviously you love Detroit. Favorite sport? Come on. The hockey for sure. Hockey, yeah. Without a doubt. So, so I've been in Detroit since '84, uh, right? I mean, in Metro Detroit. Uh, met my wife after college, uh, so I've been here 35 years. Love it. Never thought I'd see the transition that we've seen downtown. Uh, love the Red Wings. Win, lose, or draw. It's been a little tough lately, but uh, you, you know, like anything, D- Detroit's grit. And, uh, and I think you're right. And in the industry we're in, that you know, Bruce talked about, you know, the restaurant and bar. It's a real gritty industry. It's a tough industry. They live sometimes week to week, you know, and, and a lot of competition. And always somebody trying to beat you out there, much like hockey. So, so we see a lot of similarities. And, you, you know, in, in our business, um, you get a lot of no's before you get a yes. You know, in your business, you're sitting on that radio. You're talking to people, and they're listening. They're listening to what you have to say. They, they want to hear about what's going on. And, and I think they trust you. It's like what Bruce told me when we first got in this business. When you deal with bartenders and servers, you trust these guys and gals. If they give you a bad drink or a bad meal, you're probably never coming back. So this whole thing's about trust. And, and together, I think, as, as we go through you know, what we're dealing with right now, which is really tough globally, um, I, I think Detroit's going to bounce back like, like it's never seen. And we go out outside because a lot of sports, a lot, all our sports teams, look at them, the Lions, the Pistons, the uh, the Red Wings, you know, the um, everybody, we're all down right now, but it doesn't mean we're going to stay down. 
And that's what I, that's what I love about Detroit. So, well, there's a couple of things that you just brought up. So, one of them is that um they've been replaying the uh, 1997 Stanley Cup Finals on Fox Sports Detroit. And I'll tell you what, it is so much fun to go back and watch those teams play. I mean, to see Konstantinov play is just like unbelievable. Yeah. The second thing you said about building trust and whatnot, I just happened to message back and forth with my friend uh, Zach from the band Avenged Sevenfold yesterday. Just you know, hey man, how you doing? Whatever, and blah blah blah. And he messaged me back, and he made my day in in these two lines. He says, I'm glad that you're on the air. People need you. And it's like, I didn't really think about it at the time, but I thought about it. I put it in my blog today, and it's like, look, whether they need me or not, I don't know. But it maybe brings a little bit of normalcy to their life just to turn on the radio and hear my voice. And, you know, and I try to keep things upbeat because, trust me, the uh, news comes in sometimes on our preps and stuff, and you know, and it's like, it's not all great. And, um, you know, right now is not the time, at least for me, someone who plays Metallica and stuff on the radio to be uh, talking about uh, the bad stuff and bringing them down. But it's like um, I try to keep it up as, as much as you can because, you know, uh, some of these times are, are kind of scary. And, I, and obviously, you know, we're all about the same age. and It's like nothing like this has ever happened before. So we can't be uh, going negative on the air. No, this, this is a lot like um... – I mean, when I look at this, it's like uh, 9-11, and it's like when I was a kid, when JFK was assassinated. I mean, I remember those – we'll remember these events forever, and this is one of those. But this event's going to be lasting a lot longer than those, you know? I mean, it's like there was – I think there was 47 days in March, and now and now we're like into the, the, the 18th day of April or something. It's like it just never ends, it seems like, so. Yeah. No, no without, without a doubt. Um well, it, so, so let me turn around on you, you know, so you get asked all the questions all the time. What do you want to know about us? When is Bruce going to pass me the puck? That's what I really want. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> believe it. I dish off to you like you read about. No, you do. You're, hey, you know what's funny, Terry, is that uh, I was bummed out because I was in Vegas the one time and you were out there and I was kind yes. of hoping could hook up and uh, I, we just I know. made that connection right there. But yeah, yeah. I'll give you a question for you. So okay. I know that the, uh, the, the, the liquor laws in Michigan are really screwed up. And for people out there listening that don't know this, there is a lot of bizarre liquor rules. Uh, talk about some of the weird liquor rules you guys have had to deal with uh, starting your own business. Well, we don't have four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so first of all, the, the rules on what you can't do are about four inches thick. Right. And what you can do are two paragraphs. Right. Um, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, it, it's a control business. It's a tough business. But, you know, we, we got into it and we said, you know, let's, we're, we're going to take the same process that we used. And, you know, Bruce and I met playing hockey. Right? We met an inkster, right? Okay. Playing, playing in the Beer League uh, for a couple, you know, really tough teams. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, and I knew it was going to work out just because. When I walk in that room, as you know, when you walk in the locker room, you see the same characters, you know, and then you hear some of the same story and you get some new stories. And, and so here it is, you know, 30 something years later and, uh, and Bruce and I are, you know, our, our best friends and, you know, in business together, which they tell you all the time, don't ever go into business with your friend. Well, you know what? Listen, who cares? Right? <laughs> you know, that's why we're the rebel spirits group. That's why we do what we do. But, you know, the, um, the, the biggest thing I, I think I find in the liquor business, I didn't realize how controlled it really was. Did you know 
that every bottle imported into the U.S., there's, I think, one and a half or two cents goes to the Kennedy family. Really? Well, where do you think they got their money from? (laughs) Okay. And and so when you start looking at some of this stuff and you go, hey, how how come there's only a couple distributors in the state of Michigan? Why why aren't there 10? And I go, we we start going down that whole avenue and it's just the way the industry is. It's very controlled. I, I will tell you that the federal government does a great job in terms of they make it difficult to get in because they really do check you out and they check your background. They actually knew a little bit more about me than, than I than I remembered, right? Uh, which was okay, but uh, I was glad that they did that because it said to me, all right, if you're going to go through this process and you want to get in, you know, be ready. So so it was cool. But some of the stuff we see, some of the things we, we experience, it's, you know, we can't say publicly. It's in the book. Bruce and I are writing a book. And we get a lot of chapters. <laughs> Every time something happens, I'll go, that's going in the book. It's yeah, going yeah in the, you think? Yeah, it, it's going in the book. But uh, Yeah, people don't realize how like crazy some of the rules are. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, it, it, it is crazy. And it, it varies from state to state, you know, because um, we're not just in Michigan, obviously. Right. We're, we're in California, New York, you know, we're. We're actually, we ship all over the world now. I, I shipped, uh, you know, some cases over to Cannes, France earlier this year, you know, which was really cool. Nice. Uh, somebody had drank our product in um, in New York, and they said, how do I get Zims? Boom, boom, boom. They sent us a message, and, you know, we sent them a link, and next thing you know, you know, they, they've got it in Cannes, France. So the Internet has really changed our business. Like tonight, you know, we wouldn't have been doing this, you know, 10 years ago. Right. And, and you think about Zoom. The company right now who, uh, you know, is kind of behind a bunch of this, you know, they're like the dot-com era, only they're probably going to make it as a result of a a tragedy, a worldwide tragedy. But they're delivering a really cool thing because we see people connecting with their families that normally wouldn't be able to. You know, my family's 3,000 miles away, right? But I can still get on a computer and we can talk to each other. So so it's pretty cool to see that. Um, Love it. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, you. no, you're right because even with uh, even with my business, you know, so I have a podcast, you know, it's an audio podcast, and I I do interviews all all day long, you yeah. know. So I average usually about between uh, eighty and ninety a year with uh, rock stars and whatnot, and I get you know comments from all over the world, and then and then what's really cool is that people will pick up my interviews and use them as news. Yeah. Uh, last year I broke news with. Uh, you know, David Lee Ross said on my podcast that Van Halen was finished. And by four, I think it was four hours later, that was on uh, rollingstone.com. Wow. You know, my podcast, it was like, it, 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 it was yeah. unbelievable you yeah. know, that, that that would happen. You yeah. know, um, and, and, and then it's like, people can listen all over the world. I got a guy tweeted me and say, listening to me in Toronto, he usually, you know, checks out the show and stuff. So uh, yeah. that, that's pretty cool as well. So. No, cool. no, no, it is cool. Tell me about the rock and roll side though. Uh, meltdown. You know, I mean, I, I, I see you dealt with them all. I mean, give me your, you know, your favorites. And I guess that's probably not even a fair question because they're all your favorites. Yeah. But, but which ones, you know, you said, hey, these are the guys or this is the group that really kind of, you know, got me into it. Who, who was it? Well, the group that got me really into um, into music was Ozzy when I was a kid. The first, the first time I ever heard Crazy Train, it was like, you know, it was, it was like, that's it, man. Yeah. I remember I was in seventh grade 
And a kid said to me, he goes, you got to check out this guy, Ozzy. And so I went home that night and I turned on the local rock station in Buffalo and I heard crazy train. And that was, uh, there was no turning back from there. So that was, uh, that's really what started it. And then, I mean, just, it goes down the list, but I've had a chance to meet, um, you know, hang out or interview a lot of my uh, heroes. There's probably not too many that I haven't. I, I always wanted to meet and talk to, uh, Ronnie James Dio, Alice Cooper, and Ozzy, and I've interviewed and met all of them. So it's um, cool. it's really been very fortunate. So love it, very cool. Um, like for for example, I was listening to you today, and I know you played some Alice in Chains and some uh, some uh, ACDC, etc. But if you had like three albums that you could only play the rest of your life, what would those be? Man, three albums. Well. I mean, you mentioned Alice in Chains, and I, I've got a record collection sitting here in front of me, about 400 records that I, uh, I got back into albums uh, like three years ago. And um, Alice in Chains, Facelift, probably their first one, is probably one of my favorites. Um, I got to take a Beatles record with me because I just love the Beatles so much. I discovered them when John Lennon was killed, speaking of a tragic moment that we all remember. Right. And... Um, I guess I'd have to take one of Ozzy's first two records uh, in a solo, either Blizzard of Oz or Diary of a Madman. That's just off the top of my head, but uh, um, yeah, that's a tough one. You, you, I remember that you um, you, you were going to ask me about that. And I should have thought more about it, but man, there's so many. It just depends. Every day, you know, it's you're, you're in a different mood. You feel something different, so you know. Yeah. All right. So, so, so let's bring it back to hockey. Yeah. Now, so, so you're in the locker room now. You know, I, I'm at a son who's 28, right? Played hockey, did the college thing, did the pro thing. Um, and they had a, they had a a group called uh, I think it was called Disturbed, right? They yes, went yes. Uh, they down with the sickness, right? Yes, yes. That was their locker room. Um, you know, pump me up. Uh, oh, yeah. Can I tell you something? I have it on my playlist today. I love it. I love it. I played today. Good. He goes that. You know, get with the program. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird song to play right now. That's that's the whole thing. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> After nine one one, after nine eleven, there was songs that we that we wouldn't play for a little while, right? Um, because of the sensitivity of it, even though the songs had nothing to do with it. But that's like one of those songs right now where you're like, eh, I don't know if I should play this right now. Yeah, get oh, down with the sickness. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah no, 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 no. You're you're absolutely right. So, so, so tell me, when you're in a locker room, you got you got the you know headset on, or I mean, give me some locker room. What, what, what pumps you up before you go out there? To get ready to score five goals. Well, right? here's what Bruce and I are playing. I'm still waking up because we're really always playing in the morning. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I never really. Uh, I never really did the music thing when I was a kid growing up. You know, we'd listen to Motley Crue or something on tour, and you know, on in the, the the bus rides to like tournaments or, or whatnot. Um, and yeah. I'm not one of those uh, earbuds in the ears kind of guys. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll work out tomorrow. I'll throw a Judas Priest record on, or a Ghost, or Iron Maiden, or something like that. I'll just throw it on and just let it roll and just crank it up. Uh, um, I don't know. It's funny because uh, it's it's really bizarre to say, but in the last couple of years, I listen to like Super Tramp and Steely Dan and stuff in the morning before I go play hockey, and I got those <laughs> songs going through my brain. And you wouldn't really think those would be the best uh, competitive songs as far as hockey is concerned, but I don't know. It is what it is, and that's just you know how I feel in, in the morning. It's too early, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I grew up in, uh, in British Columbia, so I played in the BC Junior Hockey League, and I didn't even know who this guy was, right? But I listened to him on an eight-track tape for, like, nine months when we traveled, right? And his song was called Night Moves because every time, you know, we'd be in Camelot's British Columbia, we'd play, you know, on a Friday night. We'd get in the, the van or the bus, and we'd travel 
through the night down to Vancouver because we were playing the next day. And all I could remember was night moves. And I go, who the, who is this guy? Right? <laughs> Obviously, we know he's Bob Seeger, right? And, but I'll never get that out of my mind, right? That Bob Seeger, you know, impacted a lot of hockey guys, especially guys like me. I was 17 years old going, what the hell am I doing, right, on a bus at 3 in the morning traveling to Vancouver? But, you know, like you probably being in Buffalo and being so close to Canada, we all wanted to play in the NHL, yeah. right? We all wanted to be professional hockey players. That was the deal. That's why we grew the mullets. That's why we, <laughs> you know, got up early in the morning to practice. And, uh, you know, and that's why we did those things, so. Yeah, no doubt. And growing up in, in Buffalo, you heard a different music, you know. Uh, music is kind of regional. Of course, you know, we had the Rush and we had the, the Kim Mitchells and tragically hip to a, to a certain degree. Not so much when I was growing up, but in, through the 90s and stuff like that, when I was already on the radio and what have you. Uh, but, um, yeah, and Seeger was one of them, of course, you know, growing up. My aunt was a is a huge Bob Seeger fan, and he is one of the nicest guys. I've had a, the good fortune to uh, meet and interact with him a few times. As a matter of fact, one time um, – I was just having to be cutting my grass one day and I texted kid rocks about seven, eight years ago. And I'm like, Hey dude, what are you doing? I'm thinking about coming, swinging by your place tonight out at the, um, the wood shop there. Yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm at the lions game. Uh, come on by, you know? So I, I go out there and who walks in a uh, rock and Seeger and cracker. And, you know, some guys from Lions Schwartz and whatnot. And Bob Seeger told me the story about how Jim Schwartz had thrown him the game ball in the locker room. And he told me this, like someone threw him like a Grammy. He was so excited, and he's such a nice guy. And uh, you know, I can't say a bad word about Bob Seeger. You know what? Absolutely. And, and there you go. There's a guy who's, uh, you know, a, a legend who's, who catching a football is one of the biggest things he probably ever had. Well, I guess Jim Schwartz said something on the lines of, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this game ball to someone who's meant to lock to this region or something. He threw it to him, and I said, uh, did you catch it? He goes, hell yeah, I caught it. <laughs> They got a lot of guys that can't catch it right now. <laughs> Probably, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, just find them right there. Right. No, but that gets back to something, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier you were kind of driving to, Terry, and, and that is that, you know, regardless of what business you're in, people think, oh, like, look at you, Melton. Man, you got the drive time slot, and, and they don't know that you pulled the all-nighters, right? They didn't know that um, you were cleaning a bar uh, before you went to high school, and that's how you kind of got into this business. Nobody hears about all those tough stories. Like, I remember Bob Seeger because I grew up in Livonia, mm-hmm. close by, and uh, everybody loved Bob Seeger, but I remember when no one would listen to him, yeah. and he, he was trying to cut his teeth. In fact, there was a, he was part of the Bob Seeger system. He right. had all kinds of different names, and nobody listened to him, but, you know, he had to cut his teeth, too. Yeah, smoking OPs. Well, you know, um, I, I got out here when I came here to, to work for WRIF. I was only hired to do 2 a.m. to 5.30. So I left my house and my family and my friends and moved 300 miles to work three and a half hours a day in the middle of the night. And right. that got bumped up to uh, midnight to 5.30 about three or four months after I got here because somebody left. And they, they juggled the shifts around. So I did I did overnights for a couple of years. I did 7 to midnight, I think, for, I don't know, 11 or 12 years or what have you. And then I, I've been doing afternoon drive now for, um, you know, the better part of, uh, I think 11 years. So yeah, you work your way up. That's another thing about Detroit. It's like, I think that's why, you know, I think that that may be, that, that may be one of the reasons why, uh, you know, people, they, they appreciate where I came from because I did start at the, at the you know, an overnight. So I worked my way up 
to the top, you know, to the, to the afternoon drive. So, you know, that's a pretty good shift to be on at WRIF. It's not the worst thing in the world. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, you filled some pretty big shoes too. Well, there's no question about that. And it's like, um, you know, uh, I really wish he would have handed me the keys to the car, but it, it was, it was one of those things where, you know, his contract was in limbo and stuff. And the general manager at the time didn't really want to play games like that. And so, um, you know, and then uh, Arthur, um, you know, decided they, they they decided to part ways, you know, pretty much. And I'm still friends with Arthur this day, and uh, he's still back in the area and stuff. And um, I love Art. And, um, you know, uh, I saw him I saw him last year at a, at a party and stuff. As a matter of fact, him and Joe Kosa were at a party one night, and they sent me a picture and stuff, which was kind of funny. That's uh, but, cool. Um, I, yeah, I can't say a bad thing about Art. He was, uh, he was great. I worked with him directly with him for, like I said, 11 or 12 years. I'd come on every day after – after he was done. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from art and art obviously is a legend in these parts. So. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. So, so Malcolm, you put, you played in some, some celebrity games, right? Hockey games. Sure. Um, any good stories? Well, like the one I played at with the mechanics, which was kind of crazy. So um, what happened was, uh, they, they were starting up this mechanics team and they, they asked me if I wanted to play a game or play a shift or whatever. And this was like in September, October. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll play. And so I was actually playing with the NHL guys throughout that year too, because it was during the lockout. And they're like, Hey, uh, when do you want to play? And I'm like, I looked at the schedule. I'm like, man, this game on Saturday, February 5th sounds interesting because the Super Bowl was the next day. I'm like, what a great weekend. I play professional hockey, go Super Bowl parties. I mean, you know, talk about a great weekend. And uh, that was uh, something I'll never forget. Hatcher was playing obviously and Chalios and Smolinski were playing. And those guys were three guys I knew from playing with those guys um, during the year. at right. And, um, Anyhow, it's, it, there's a lot of stories about that, but Kid Rock did show up, and I was sitting there at the end of the bench one day, and there's like this hallway behind us at Frazier, and I hear a uh, meltdown, and I turn around, and it's Kid Rock. He's like this. You know, <laughs> then, the whole game, I hear this guy uh, up in the crowd just just chirping at Chelios the whole time. So we go to this party afterwards, yeah. and I see uh, it was at Hatchie's Bar. You guys remember that bar? Oh, yeah. And I see uh, Kid Rock, and he goes, he goes, hey, dude. Did you hear me giving it to Chelios the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I heard you. He was in the he was in the owner's box. He's just yelling down at him like, hey, old man, let the let the kids play and stuff like that, you know. And hey, like, that, was, that was great. But it, the Dave Coulier games, I played in both of them. I got a picture on my wall of me scoring a, a goal in one of those, and that was really fun because I wasn't I really hadn't been in the in the, the city very long, and that was after the Stanley Cups and everything, and that was uh, yeah. pretty exciting to play at the Joe in front of you know. 18,000 or whatever it was. So awesome stuff. So it was Steve Shannon, the coach of the mechanic. Oh, okay. It's, it's funny. You should bring it up. So Dan, I'm not sure I can say a lot, right? So I gotta be careful, but he's probably listening right now. Well, Gary Unger was the coach first. And yes. so, and so what happened was I was playing with the NHL guys on a Wednesday Yeah. or on a Monday. I'm sorry. On a Monday. Yeah. And I heard one of the guys say, hey, Izzy is going to be coming out on Wednesday. And I had played with Iserman three times that year. And, of course, it's exciting when Steve Iserman shows up in you know, sure. a pickup league, you know, a pickup game. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. So, Tuesday at 530, I get a call. Coach Unger wants to you know, come to practice tomorrow. I'm like, oh, crap. And I figured that would be the last time Iserman was going to play. And it was, you know, yeah. with us. And so, anyways, I was nervous because I hadn't been to a practice in 20 years. And this practice was easy. I was playing with the NHL guys. They were flying around out there, and Gary Unger was kind of letting it go. So then that was on a Wednesday. By the next week, uh, Darian Hatcher had asked me, he goes, how, how was the practice? I go, yeah, it was okay. It was pretty good. You know, it was fine. But yeah. then they sign up, 
the next week, Steve, uh, not Steve Shannon was, I think it was Danton Cole. Anyway, okay. coach. Anyways, all these cameras show up, the press is there and he's got us skating back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, you know, again, again. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, I'm like older than the oldest guy in the team. outside <laughs> of Chelios. Right. I've never felt like I was going to throw up on the ice until that day. And I almost did. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, his claim to fame, Mel, if you remember. I do remember, yeah. Was when he put the bounty out. Yeah. I so wasn't there, but I heard I heard some uh, stories, you know. You know, can I tell you something? I played with, I played with Shani. Uh, good guy. You know, Detroit cop. Yeah. For a lot of years. Um, and just a good hockey guy. He's living down in Florida now. He's still involved. I think he's coaching um, – I just saw recently he's coaching a role, professional rollerblade team back in Detroit. I saw him not that long ago, and yeah. I didn't recognize him. And then he introduced himself, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then we talked, you know, this is a couple years hey, ago. He cleaned, he cleaned himself up pretty good. You know, he's, you know, good guy. Yeah, for sure, re- yeah. Re- re- really good guy. Um, so, so you played with Coulier. I heard that. Uh, did you ever did you do any of the, um, the Hollywood games out? Out west at all? Or? No, no, no. I've never played anywhere outside of Detroit and Buffalo. You know, just uh, but yeah, none of none of that stuff. Uh, you know, but I played with the uh, you know those Coulier games. He would bring in guys from Hollywood to play with us and that. And, you know, yeah. So, so you know, Melton, a real good friend of mine, God rest his soul, was uh, John Saunders uh, with, with ESPN Sports. Yeah, okay. he played in one of those yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, he played in all those games and just a super guy. And uh, yeah, he'd come into town. We'd get together and. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, you think about those memories and those guys, you know, and you go back to the locker room. It's all about the stories. Yeah. The stories and the boys. And, uh, you, you know, I, I think that's what kind of keeps uh, Bruce and I going is that every day, every week, we've got stories to talk about. And uh, I, I probably spend more time with him than I spend with my wife, whether or not. <laughs> well, you were talking about the locker room before. Like, you know, we don't really, you know, Bruce knows this. And, you know, we're, we're older guys in pickup leagues and whatnot. And, you know, we don't really jam music or nothing, but man, there is a lot of uh, ball busting going on, of course, you know, yeah. uh, political, uh, uh, what, what's the word, um, unpolitical, uh, politically correct, you politically, know, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of political correct. There's a, there's a lot of chirping going on in the locker room. I miss that a lot too. I mean, you better have a thick skin, right? Right. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's all fun. And, uh, you know, the guys are good guys. And, uh, you know, even Lyle's been putting out simulated games recently that, <laughs> that we haven't played in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been fun. It, it has been fun. And, and you know, you bring up Lyle, and that's actually how you and I met is, yeah. um, you know, a, a, an outstanding group of hockey players and really, really good guys. Uh, it's a bourbon ice arena run by Lyle Fair, uh, Lyle Fair and and uh, how I got in. I know it's not an easy skate to get invited to play in because I was able to get in because Ron Griffin is, I grew up with Ron Griffin who, you know, played for Wisconsin, Badger Bob. And of course you played against him too, Terry, right? I did. Yeah. And, uh, and then another mutual friend and hockey player, Rob Bryden, who of course you, you know, uh, Brides, uh, yeah, Bryden's great, yeah, really nice, yeah. and he played at Western. He's a legend like Terry at Western. So um, how did you meet Lyle and get invited to the skate? You know, I can't recall, but I think I, I think my son was playing there, and I was playing, you know, at Farmington Hills. And I, I you, you, you said you going to bring this up, and I was trying to remember. And I think I just know uh, Jeff Bennett, and I knew a couple of those guys stuff because I remember Lyle one time saying to me when my son was like seven or eight years old, 
I was watching him and Lyle came up and said, too bad you guys don't shoot the same way. You could use the same stick. You know, and at first, you know, <laughs> that's just like my- that so Lyle, isn't it? Yeah. And now my son's 17. He doesn't even cut his sticks when he gets them. You know, he's, he's about this much taller than I am. So, right. but uh, yeah, that's typical Lyle. And I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know where I, I must've known a guy or two or something. I don't know, but it's, you know, it's, when I moved out here, it's like, you know, when you move, and I, I've been out here for 17 years, but when you move, you're trying to find skates that you can get into, you know, because I was playing in Birmingham, and from where I live now to go to Birmingham was quite a haul. And that was a good skating, a lot of good guys and stuff, but it's like I, I just kind of, I was done with that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you were lucky. You grew up with good guys. You know, I, I met these guys. They said, come on, we were playing Inkster on a Friday night, right, at, uh, at 10 o'clock. I go, where the hell is Inkster? I was living out West Bloomfield. I got the extra. I said, hey, is my car still going to be in the parking lot when I get out there? I still have contact. So I was lucky. I played growing up in Buffalo. I played with about the same core of guys for six years, like when I was a kid. And I yeah. wish I could have done that for my son. But uh, it's just just circumstances and, and whatnot. It's just the, the way that the, the, yeah. the cookie crumbles. But it's like. I'm still friends with a few of them still on Facebook. And that's really cool to see them all these years later. Yeah. Uh, and some of them have, you know, grandkids and whatnot. I actually played hockey with them a couple of years ago. And it's just, just fun to go see those guys. You never forget those guys. And until I was about 35 and I watched a DVD when my wife bought it for me for my birthday one time, about this team in California called the California coast. And they were like, yeah. like 15, 16 year old kids. And it kind of dawned on me right there that, like I was saying earlier, that hockey's kind of made me, who I am. It's made me responsible. It's made me uh, passionate about what to do. It's uh, accountable uh, and just have the drive to go out and get, you know, what you did because, um, you know, I never spent a day in college. I just joked that the only day I was ever in college was for driving school. And I had too many speeding tickets as a kid that I had to go to community college and, and do that. Right. But, uh, right. That it's like, I just forced my way in and, right. uh, you know, and then I just celebrated my 30th anniversary on the air in February of the, my very first shift when I was a kid. So ah, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thank Absolutely you. awesome. Um, you, you listen, we, we've all had different stories. We, we've all kind of taken our own paths, you know, um, you know, Bruce is the godfather to my youngest daughter, I mean, that's how close we are. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, but, but hockey, the one thing I found with hockey, I, I just connected with a guy so I played juniors. I was 17 years old. This guy was 20, right? He scored like 180 points his, uh, his last year. He goes to Wisconsin. His name is Ronnie Vincent. You can look him up. Uh, great guy. We just connected about a week ago because uh, there was a post put out there, and he friended me on Facebook. And then he said, hey, you're in the vodka business? I go, yeah. He goes, well, you know, I, I drink uh, this stuff out of Texas. I go, well, let me tell you why you shouldn't drink that stuff. <laughs> blah, 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 right? And so all of a sudden, you think about it now. So here, here it is. So I was 17. I'm, so 43 years later, I mean, I, I have not talked to the guy, Ronnie Vincent, in that long time. And all of a sudden, we've connected, reconnected. And I think I got a customer in Wisconsin because he's still living there, right? But, but at the end of the day, it's all about hockey in terms of, you know, how we got back together. It was a hockey story. He saw it. And it was like, wow. You know, now. I'm sure you know all those guys, and, and we know all those guys. It really is a small, small community at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, you can't believe how many guys I talk to that, you know, I either know someone they played with or, you know. I mean, look, we all have a ton of hockey stories. I could talk to you all day about hockey stories, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's like um, 
to me, it's such a great sport. And my son will sometimes, you know, when he's when he's mad at me, you know, well, you're making me play hockey. I'm like, I'm not making you do anything. You love to play hockey. He loves it. You know, he really does. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to use that sport to kind of mold him as well. Now, look, if he didn't want to play, he wanted to do something else. So of course, he would do something else. But sure. um, have you played with my son, Bruce? Yeah, exactly. I was just going to mention, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you did, yeah. uh, you know, Lyle permitted you to bring him out a few times and he's uh, got some talent. He's, uh, he's just got to come along and mature a little bit and he'll be great. Okay. How, old, how, old, how old is your son, Nelto? Well, he's going to be 17 here next week, but, but you know, Bruce, it's like when he's out there playing, he doesn't look like a kid that doesn't want to play. <laughs> so yeah, that, he just right. says that to me as just to be a, a punk ass kid. Yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to teach him the stuff that I learned through the game and maybe one day it'll snap with him and we'll, uh, you know, we'll try to make a, a responsible citizen out of another one. So, you know, there's a guy, in, there's a guy in California meltdown. I, I don't know his name, but I see the post every once in a while. I think the guy is like 93. Now he's still playing. Wow. Right? He's still playing hockey and his family says that's what keeps him going. Yeah. He's 93 years old. He gets out there. I think he goes two or three times a week. You, you know, I, I, I just celebrated a birthday. I've been playing the game for, you know, probably 56 years. And, you know, um, without any replacement parts yet, I'm, I hope I can play till I'm 90-something, right? But it, it's, it's getting tougher. It, it really is. You know what? It's like um, it's like golfing or whatever. It's like, you know, you get that one good shot, you get that one good pass, you make a good play, and it just keeps you, you coming back for more, you know? And that's, that's yeah. the way I always, you know. Like the last goal I scored against Mark, I just can't wait to like get back out there again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you should bring up Mark because, I mean, again, all those guys out there. I mean, we all kind of give it to each other, but they're all great guys. And yeah. I know that, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Mark, uh, Mark's been the victim of the uh, meltdown uh, uh, bra straps goal, right? I mean, he's top <laughs> shelf like you read about. But um, but you and him are pretty close. I mean, you guys like NASCAR or something, don't you? Guys go to Broken to watch NASCAR races? Well, or? no, not exactly. I've invited him to there out there before. I'm trying to remember if uh, I think I've taken him out there, and I can't recall now to be quite honest with you. But I do a thing out at, at Michigan Speedway, and I've done it for the last uh, ten years. And I'm trying to think. I know I got a, that's a picture right there. I don't know if you guys can see that. That's me and Jeff Burton from this thing that I host, and um, it started about ten years ago. And, um, it's really cool. So what I do is I go out there and I host this thing and I do it as a favor to the track in return. They give me like four or five, I could bring four or five people, whatever. I, they never said how many people I can bring, but I, I always take four or five people and they get us hot passes and I take them in the suites. I take them on the pit road and we, we get to see the drivers. I mean, one of my buddies, you know, stand next to Joe Gibbs, you know, during the national anthem and different things like that. And so, um, I've made friends with some of the guys in the pit crews and, you know, it's funny because my friend in the pit crew, he was a minor league hockey player. One of my buddies, his name is uh, Sean Pete. And I Googled him one time to, and I put hockey and it came up that the, he'd gotten suspended for 18 games. That's what kind of guy he was. So, uh, <laughs> he's a real sniper. <laughs> yeah, he was no sniper. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, but uh, no, it's like just uh, through the love of hockey, I met him. Yeah. And uh, he was a minor league enforcer and got sucked into this NASCAR thing. And we've become friends. And it's, uh, I could tell you many stories about that, but uh, yeah, but Mark, the goalie, I, it's funny. Cause I always had this kind of weird relationship with the goalies. Um, I would say I'm a shooter, right, Bruce. I mean, that's no question. Uh, right. No, I, no I, question. And part of it's 
to me is like, well, these guys want to face shots. That's why they're in there, right? <laughs> so you justify it. <laughs> that's right. I'm like, hey, I'm just out here trying to give you a good time, okay? If, if some of them go in, well, that's not my fault. I gave you a shot. So. Uh, that's classic. That's absolutely classic. Yeah, but I've always had a weird relationship with uh, with goalies, like I said, especially ones I play with a lot. And, you know, Mark's just one of my friends. I sit next to him. In the, and, of course, I'll bust his balls all day long. You know that, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I, I don't text him five, uh, you know, sirens uh, to anybody, you know, just, just Mark. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's all good too. It's uh it's fun stuff. It's, it, it's cool to see. So I know that um, obviously you've got a wife and you got kids. Um, so you must dine out in restaurants. I mean, do you have any favorite restaurants that you, you, that you like that you, you go to with your family? I mean, I'm just thinking of maybe, I wonder if they uh, provide any contactless uh, delivery or, or carry out or delivery or, do you have any yeah, favorite you know, restaurants that you go to? So uh, I was just texting with my friend Chris today. He owns uh, South uh, the, the um, Southline Hotel and uh, Come Back Inn and Bakers. Oh, sure. Uh, I, I'm I, at the we- Southline Hotel quite a bit when it's open. And then, um, you know, uh, Carl's Cabin. I really like Carl's Cabin a lot. Uh, places like that. Um, you know, and, and Carl's Cabin is doing something. They've got their, their, uh, their takeout every day between four and six. Okay. And I've tried to get it and it's sold out every day. So they, at least there's, they're doing something. So yeah. Um, well, Peter is a good guy. Peter's yeah. a great guy. Yeah. Really nice. As a matter of fact, I had a meeting in there with the Michigan Speedway guys about a month ago before this whole thing started. And I want to take Peter with me to the track because um, I like to take new people there to experience it because I've seen it, I've done it. And I do kind of the same thing every time I go there, but it's just fun to, uh, you know, show other people. I got to interview Evander Holyfield there one time. And I'm sitting no right next way. to him. Yeah, he's missing his part of his ears. It was like the coolest thing. You know, <laughs> Kid Rock's been in my uh, – I got some pictures over here somewhere. Kid Rock is in there and, uh, you know, different things like that. Uh, uh, we've had a great time at the racetrack. But, yeah, so those are some of my uh, favorite restaurants. Of course, um, I haven't been there enough, but the uh, the garage in Northville, you know, Menzies, great place. I went there, um, you know, uh, not too long ago. So Yeah, yeah. And then our friends that own the Post. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if I would consider that a restaurant, though. That's more of a bar. That is no question. It's funny when people say, well, Bruce, what's the difference between a restaurant a bar, and a bar? Uh-huh. A, rest- a restaurant <laughs> serves food primarily and then will give you drinks. But a bar serves drinks and then they'll serve you some food. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and they might let you stand on, the, stand on the, uh, the bar. Remember down in Detroit, the post that they had over on Mac Avenue? We used to stand on the ledges. You know what? I, I can't let my kids hear this because they'll think, you know, that dad was kind of a, a rebel, but uh, no doubt. We, we got a couple of the guys with us here today, uh, Jamie uh, Flanagan and Matt Fox. These guys have joined us uh, with Podcast Detroit. They're absolutely great guys. They got us into this world, um, and, and they've kind of educated us and, and brought us along the way. You know, So they taught us how to skate. Uh, we're getting ready to play, and, and they're just absolutely great guys. But I wanted to make sure that you met these guys, and, and Jamie, Matt, uh, obviously meet Meltdown, and uh, you guys, you know, they have a passion for this business. They have day jobs, too. This is what they love to do. And uh, so, Jamie, Matt, jump in. If you got questions for Meltdown or, 
or anything, uh, you know, throw them at them because, uh, you know, that, that's what we're all about. Yeah, actually, I was keeping an eye on the uh, chat room. Meltdown, how you doing? And, hey, how you doing? Excellent. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, Pat Maley, talking about uh, hockey people. Pat Maley chimed in the uh, chat room and just chirping mm-hmm. the way that he does. Okay. <laughs> and uh, a few other people, Bob and Steph from uh, Podcast Detroit, uh, Mike Wenby and a Joey Johnson. Uh, they all said, hey, uh, Lauren, Lauren Donovan yeah. also chimed in the chat room and said hi so people popping in and 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 saying hey and pat mailey had a bunch of stuff to say about uh when you were talking about the crazy laws Uh, he's a a train wreck you know mailey's a hockey player he's a money manager he's got some hockey guys you know some professional guys he manages meltdown but you know what i play hockey with Absolute train wreck. He's more worried. <laughs> Listen, when he can't play you teach, right? You take out an agent or something. Yeah. But, he, but he looks good. He always comes in with the white pants, the white socks, or the black pants. He, he just looks really good. But with Jamie Matt, you know, in all seriousness, like, you know, you guys are in the industry. I mean, what do you want to hear from Meltdown? We're our final, uh, you know, probably last 10 minutes here. But if you guys had a chance to ask some questions about the industry, talk to him. Yeah, actually, Terry, I just want to say um, the check is in the mail for your kind words. Greatly appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've actually I have a separate watch party going on here. We've had folks check in. Uh, Ty actually has a question or had a question for uh, Meltdown. And with all this stuff going on with the COVID-19 and yep. uh, having to work remotely, you know, what has been some of the change-ups at the RIF that you're seeing and having to change? Uh, the operating rhythms over there. Well, what's funny about that is that I haven't worked remotely. I've been going into work every single day. So we go in, uh, but there is like, it is a ghost town in there. There is not many people in there. Uh, I have to wipe down everything when I go in. I don't have to. I just do it. I wipe down everything, obviously. Uh, the sales department, uh, a lot of people aren't there right now. They're working from home and whatnot. And mm-hmm. um, and and there for a little while, for two weeks, I think, we were the only wing. The RIF has its own wing in our building, and we were the only uh, station that was actually live in the building out of our five stations. Wow. So it's obviously a strange time. It feels like every day you go in there, it's like Saturday or something when nobody's there, and the lights are <laughs> off in the hub, and, you know, there's there's nothing really going on. And um, so, yeah, that's pretty much a, that's pretty much been a, a big uh, change, of course, you know, when there's not people walking in the studio or, you know, saying hi to everybody or what, whatnot. So. You know, and then another question that actually I have for you is, you know, yeah. you know, I didn't pick up the game of golf actually until I was in my 30s. When did you start actually start playing hockey? When I was um, seven. Okay. So I started playing hockey because this kid down the street was playing hockey. And I'm like, why can't I do that? And so then, uh, my dad... You know, I grew up in Buffalo, like I said, he was just a, you know, a guy working in a steel plant and stuff, uh, trying to make ends meet. And, uh, somehow he did it and sacrificed and, uh, I got into playing and, uh, you know, until, uh, he lost his job in 1984, like a lot of kids' dads did back then. And then I did kind of get a paper route to kind of, uh, play for another couple of years. Then it was like, do I play hockey or do I drive and go get girls? So it's like, I started driving. <laughs> As Bruce knows, I was too small for the NHL anyways, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I didn't say that you did. <laughs> yeah right you could have played today though yeah that's right yeah maybe i don't know i doubt that you're just uh you're just uh 30 years too uh too old you just didn't start at the right time right hey bruce i haven't given up the dream yet okay <laughs> still going <laughs> i love it i love it so well, mel- hey, I, I got mel- something for you. you know there's something that we kind of plagiarized it from david Faraday from oh. the, the golf channel i don't know if you guys mm. know him but yeah. it's something called rapid fire and okay. there are questions that require a, a one-word answer. So, so if you're willing to play, I'll let them fly. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so start Starbucks or Tim Hortons? 
Oh, well, I'm a hockey guy, so it's got to be Tim Hortons, right? I was, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi, for sure. Mick Jagger or Steven Tyler? You know, I'm not a Stones fan uh, for the most part, so I'd say Steven Tyler. Hey, I got a real fast, stony, funny story about Steven Tyler. Yeah, one bring friends, it. <laughs> one of my friends actually managed him, which is the craziest thing. He's like, about 10 years ago, he's like, yeah, man, I'm getting ready to go to bed. And next thing you know, Steven's at my door. And I'm like, hey, Steven, what are you doing? I'm like, whoa, who's Steven? He's like, Steven Tyler, we're old friends. I'm like, <laughs> so I meet Steven Tyler for the first time in 1994. And it just came up on my Facebook for some reason. There's that song called Living on the Edge. And in this song, he says, Meltdown in the Sky. And so when I meet Steven Tyler, I'm going to ask him, I'm going to go, is it Meltdown in the Sky or Meltdown and this guy? And I think he is going to laugh and we're going to become fast friends. And he didn't have any clue what I was talking about. So <laughs> I have a picture where he's like looking at me like confused. I'm like, you know, so anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. So uh, American or National Coney Island? Uh, probably American. Those are fight Mich- words. Uh, yeah, I know. American in Michigan or Michigan State? I'm closer to Michigan, so. Uh, hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger, for sure. Bowers or C- CCM? Bower. Dog or cat? Dog, for sure. Winter or summer? Um, yeah, probably summer, I suppose. Gretzky or Lemieux? Gretzky, for sure. Uh, all right, well, as Faraday says, thanks for playing and you win nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jamie, you got that big microphone in front of you. You're going to say something, so go ahead. Yeah, sure. no, I was just sorry, talking about your podcast. It's interesting with radio. I mean, so many people listen in their cars, and people aren't in their cars. Have you seen a bump uh, in your podcast? People. Well, what's funny in? is that, so my I did a podcast on March 11th with Tom Kiefer, who was the former singer for uh, Cinderella and stuff, and, um, and that was the last podcast I did until last week, because right now artists are just not really doing interviews for the most part. So mm. I have enough contacts where I can get my um, interviews. Like uh, I can, I can text some people here and there, which I'm probably going to start doing pretty soon, but publicists will reach out to me or record people or whatever. And they'll say, Hey, uh, you know, I just interviewed Gavin Rosdale the other day who was married to Gwen Stefani and the frontman for Bush. And, and I've never, I never met or interviewed him for the first 25 years of his career. And then I've done it three times in the last year. And it, the guy is such a great guy. And we kind of almost had created a little bit of a camaraderie. And um, so yet yeah, I can't answer it because like I said, it's kind of been downtime as far as that's concerned. That's, that's a good question. That's a good observation because uh, you would think that, that with that, it would kind of be up with people at home, just Alexa or whatever. So it's, it's a really, really interesting time everywhere. Yeah. Hey, do they allow you to wear that Guinness shirt out with that Zim's bottle right next to it? Great catch. We're actually going to dub it up when we, when we finish here tonight. We're going to dub it up. We're going to put Zim right in front of Oh, he's got a bottle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, so do you, uh, do you play any instruments? Are you musically inclined? Can you sing? Are there other talents that you have? Or No, not at all. <laughs> Not even close. Never tried. I've got autographed guitars on the on my walls that uh, they're I'm sure out of tune. I have no clue how to do any of that stuff. I it amazes me when I'm talking to some of my friends or something. They say, "Oh yeah, that's an E or something." I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, how do you know? I don't. I, I that that just boggles my mind. Yeah, no, nothing at all. Bruce, yeah. you, you told me Meltdown was a singer though. I thought he had a lot of chin music when he played hockey. I mean, I- <laughs> <laughs> well, the way the way I look at it, Brucey, is that so 
I, if I played guitar, I thought about this for about five minutes, about 10 years ago. I'm like, man, if I play guitar, I would want to play effortlessly like Ted Nugent or some Eddie Van Halen, or whatever. And then I thought, man, I've been playing hockey for so long and I can't stick handle like dad Sook. So yeah, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> at, at that moment, I said, I'm not going to even try. Yeah, well, right. That, that train came and left. That's right. It left a long time ago. Yeah. Love it. Well, good. Well, um, listen, I, I know we're getting close, Matt and Jamie, to our uh, to our time here. Matt Meltdown, we really appreciate uh, you being with us here today. Uh, first, first of all, you know, I'd like to thank your your daughter and your wife yeah. for, for giving you this time because you know, if we're all quarantined all over the world, um, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of quality time and just a lot of time with you know. Uh, our significant others and, and, and family. In, in a lot of ways, it's good. In a lot of ways, uh, you know, it, it can be trying. But uh, you know, nonetheless, you know, it's just good for everybody. And uh, we've met some great guys here with Matt and Jamie. We spent a lot of time with them over the last four weeks as we've, you know, launched this, um, you know, podcast to let people hear about the positive things that are going on. That's just how. That's just how we are. You know what? It's like hockey meltdown. If you lose two to one or ten to one, you lost, right? So you just go and play the game the next time, and, and hopefully you win. And that's how we do things here, and that's how we've done. You know what? As Bruce will tell me all the time, and when we talk, he he'll call me up sometimes. He go, "Hey, you know, you're going to get a call from a customer." I go, "Really? Are they not happy?" He goes, "No, nah, they're not happy." I go, "What happened?" He goes, "Well, I don't need to give you the details." He goes, "But." Sometimes you need to break a few eggs to make an omelet. I, I said, Bruce, that's why we do what we do, right? So at the end of the day, we always have each other's backs. And, uh, you know, this too shall pass. We'll get through everything. Uh, we will get you a couple bottles uh, meltdown, so you have them for your, uh, your, your shelf. Uh, probably a new hat, too, right? but bruce will deliver that to you when you're in the locker room how's that i appreciate it that's fine yeah no worries at all thank you very much yeah bruce the uh, king of the metaphors right there with the um yeah no doubt you know it's uh it is tough times and every day at 5 10 on my show i've been doing this thing that's the positive things that are coming out of this and like you say it's like you know, people are spending more time together. When I go out and ride my bike, my, I ride my street bike, you know, my bicycle, and I put like, you know, 20 or 30 miles on, and I see more people out walking around than ever before, and I've done this for years, you know, and now all of a sudden it's like all these people are out there walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, people are searching out for ways to help out, you know. Um, uh, you know, people are, you know, doing doing a lot of different things nowadays, and um, this time is, is like 9-11 did and, and different things is definitely going to change the uh, country, and apparently – uh, the world now. Hopefully, we can get back out on the ice here uh, pretty soon and and get back to a normal. But what's normal going to be when it all returns? We'll see. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? What what would be nice is maybe I'll uh, I'll uh, talk to Commissioner Fair and see if we can get Terry to make the road trip over from Gross Point. We'll have him skate in the morning and uh, and I'll have him deliver the bottles personally. <laughs> and and, and that'd, that'd be great. Yeah, you're pretty tough. I, I did play uh, against Lyle when he was at Michigan State. I was over at Western, but uh, you know, it uh, w- when you get to this age, you know, the, the old saying forecheck, backcheck, paycheck. We're just missing the paycheck, right? Um, and a lot of the backcheck too. So and a lot of the backcheck. Right? Everybody floating out there, but uh, I think this has been great. Um, you know, I, I think 
yeah, we're excited about moving forward, and uh, we will we'll do more of this meltdown. We could probably spend, you know, offline. We could probably spend many hours talking about a lot of great stories. Um, some of them change a little bit, but you know, they still have the basic premise of uh, of hockey. And uh, yeah, yeah another- I, mean, I, I I was saying it's like the older I get, the more stories I have. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, right? I, my friend was Alice Cooper's uh, guitar player for ten years. And he said, he goes, he goes, let me tell you something. He goes, Alice Cooper tells the same stories all the time. And sometimes they change. And I, I'll say to him in the golf cart, they, they used to golf every morning. He goes, Alice, you changed that story a little bit. He goes, never let the facts get in the way of a good story. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Bruce, you know who we have to introduce Meltdown to? His trip, the tripper. Oh, yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, he, yeah. he would be great. So, so, so one of our good friends, Meltdown, is uh, Trip Tracy, uh, the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just an absolute beauty, right? Beauty, yeah. In all, in all sense of the words. And uh, I'm not sure if he's listening tonight, but if he's not, a uh, big shout out to him. Great guy, great story. And, uh, and you know, those are one of, you know, some of those stories we'll talk about offline over a couple cocktails uh, with, with Bruce. And, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, can uh, you see that? That's Tripper, and I'm, that's my son with uh, Terry as well. Okay, <laughs> cool, excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've had some fun over the years, and a uh, very good friend, but in your industry, and uh, and obviously, you can't wait to get back to work. You know, they're, they're, they're bored silly; they want to get the game going again. And uh, but like anything else, hey, listen, you know what? We're, this too shall pass, and uh, we'll all get through it. We'll look back on this a year from now and say, you know what? What did we do with our time? We did a lot of a lot of cool stuff. So, Meltdown, I'm glad we had a chance to meet tonight. The audience probably doesn't know. We've never physically met. Right. right? Uh, we tried to meet in Vegas, you're right, and uh, schedules didn't make it happen. But, uh, you know, through Bruce and through Matt and through Jamie, I'm glad we got together today and uh, have a great time with, you know, that we've got here. Stay safe, stay healthy, and, uh, and boys, can't wait to get back on the ice. Yeah, thank you guys so much for the invite. Matt, Jamie, uh, great to uh, meet you guys. Uh, yeah. I don't know what they call this, uh, virtually or whatever. So uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for that. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for your time. Good luck with your uh, with Zims and all your successes and all your businesses that uh, Bruce and Terry have going on. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Meltdown. Thanks,